You may be seated. I just uh, want to, it has nothing to do with the message, but it has something to do with uh, you because uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a very real and genuine way. Tension and stress and conflict can either cause you to draw close to Jesus. Close. It's not something you have to think about when the spirit to draw close to God out of because of conflict. It just is something you do. You're going to play. But conflict and stress also has the ability to cause you to become hard, displaced, anguished, and separated as if you're reaching out to grab and you're just within reach, but you can't touch it. It seems to not be able to connect. Peter had a wonderful life as a professional fisherman. He was an individual that Jesus called that according to the standards should have never been called. He brought to his seat in the discipleship table a ton of baggage. He grew and he grew and he grew. But when the great test of the maturity of his faith in conflict, he failed. All the accolades about Peter are great. Oh, yeah, Peter mentioned his name. You know what you remember? He's the one who denied knowing Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Uh, well, he's the one that walked on the water. He's the one that spoke in Acts 2. He's the one that 3,000 people came in and went to preach. You know how you remember Peter? He did not know in Jesus. Some of you in this room right now, God really wants to do something special for you. He wants to relieve you of your tension. He wants to relieve you of the pressure. He wants to relieve you of the anxiety. He wants to relieve you of a burden that you are carrying that has you so weighted down. Your days turn to nights and your nights turn to day. But that is not God's will for you. He has the ability to touch you, to heal you. Hallelujah. So I've been obedient to the Lord. I've lifted that burden. So now that we know, what do we do? Do we just move on with the service because of time elements? 
Do I just say, okay, this is what I feel that God spoke? Or do we tell the enemy, you're a liar? And do we say to God, God, we're going to stop right here for a few minutes until we deal with this issue. So if you, if you, God just spoke to your heart, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and courageous out of an act of obedience. God is bigger than the things that are in your life that's spinning you around. He wants to deliver. Hallelujah. So we just sing softly. You say, I'm coming down. Anoint me with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. You just come on right now. Rest of you, just keep praying, okay? We'll wait for a moment. We'll just wait for a moment. So, okay, God, speaking to my heart, go ahead. So leadership, you guys come. All of our leaders come. Till I can reach heaven, I'm gonna shout your name till the walls will fall down. I've come to Other leaders come down, please. I'm gonna In Jesus' name. Jesus.
You are the God of all power. 
if the Lord answered prayer, don't you? You see, if we fail to be obedient from this desk, if this desk and the person behind it ever gets to the place that we are ashamed and we fail to be obedient to what you sense and feel the Holy Spirit speaks, we're in big trouble. And let me say to you, there is a fight in every pulpit in America and every pulpit of America to be an appeaser. I want to appease people. You know, that's, that's n- never my desire. But I want, to, I want to appease God first. Amen? I want to be sure that we know. I believe. I believe God is able. So here we go. They're still in the altar. Let me get on with the message. We know that Irma, how many remember on uh, Friday before Irma on Sunday, how many remember getting prepared? May I see your hand Friday or Saturday? How many of you know that Sunday morning everything looked pretty reasonable, light breeze, a little fluffy rain, etc. but how many of you remember about 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock on Sunday night, the wind began to blow? You remember that? I got to tell you, and all night long the wind blew. And the eye of that storm came through. The picture that you had when you went uh, to close in on, on, on Sunday afternoon, when you finally said, not going out anymore, and darkness came, the sight that you saw, and when you got up the next morning, the landscape was totally different. Would you agree with that? I mean, in one six, eight-hour period, Landscape was different, trees down, lines down, no power, some and no water. How quick, out of nature, just nature blowing through. Not a fierce nature, you know, not a big nature, maybe a, a cat two, maybe a, barely they said a cat three, but no big, big nature, and look what it did. I'm a cat five, you and I would not have been able to understand it. A day really makes a difference. Jesus is doing the teaching. I mean, it's Jesus talking to us tonight because all the scriptures, I know that it's him because it's the red letter edition. Amen? Red letter. And if a red letter says it, I want to pay close attention. There are several little parables. Do you remember one about the five wise and the five foolish what? Virgins. Five wise, five foolish. What was the problem there? The problem was not with the five wise because what? They were wise. What made them wise? They prepared. They had enough. They made sure that if there happened to be a delay in the coming of the bridegroom, that in fact, they had enough. But the foolish individuals, they were carried away. They were busy being busy, and they were called foolish because when it came, what did they say? We're not prepared. Now, were they warned? They'd had many weddings before. They knew what to do. They knew how schedules can get mixed up. They knew that process. Jesus gives that parable, and he says, hey, I just want you to know this is something you need to remember. Five foolish and five wise. You got that. He says, yeah, we got that. That's what he said. He said, there's going to be one in the field, and one is going to be two in the field. One's going to be taken, and one is going to be left behind. Same scenario. This one goes, this one stays. What he's trying to do is paint a picture 
of human nature. Paint a picture of time. Paint a picture of who we are as it relates to daily schedules. When I say Jesus is coming back, as one man said, Jesus coming back and devastation is going to hit yesterday. Uh, we've heard that before. So he rings that, rings that bell out there and people got frantic. Some people got frantic. The bottom line is that only God knows when that day is going to come. The next item on the event of our schedules is what we call the rapture of the church. And the rapture of the church brings with it judgment. Okay? So here's what Jesus, Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is talking, Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Only the Father. Now, why is that? God wanted to be certain even though the Son is God, the Trinity, He says, that is my call as the creator of the universe. Because when the rapture takes place, the creation that God gave to us will begin to be destroyed. He calls it and He says, I get to make that call. I created humanity. If they're going to be judged and damned, I make the call. No one knows but the Father. He states that. We know that in that scripture where Jesus is teaching in Matthew 24, 38, he says today, he's giving this prophecy. He's pulling all the Old Testament information forward. And he says today prophecy is fulfilled. He goes back to Noah, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up until the day Noah entered the ark. Okay, so what? He's saying, all right, I want to show you the similarity. Now, he spoke this during his tenure here as the Son of God and as the crucified one. But we know that it's, it's no different now than it was then eating and drinking, giving to marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Jesus uses Noah to get their attention because he knew that all the Jews and all those individuals that followed the law, Noah's story was a big deal. They all understood the power of that judgment. Why? Eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, no regard for a solid conscience. He says, carnality, whatever human nature wanted to do, you do it. You know what we call that today? We call that do what you please. And according to the Constitution of the United States of America, every man gets to do whatever they want to do for the most part except break the law. But primarily, if you want to live your life in the gutter in hell, guess what? Have at it. In the carnality, self-willed, seekers of pleasure, motivated by greed, moral discipline disregarded, and the conscience was seared. That was the day of Noah. Jesus is teaching, and he's saying that carnal nature rules, which means that all spiritual restraints, 
all spiritual restraints are removed from the person of the nation. Have you ever had one of your children, I can't wait to get out from under your household? I can't wait to get my own apartment. I can't wait to go to college. I can't wait to get away from you. You know what they want to get away from? They don't want to get away from you. They want to get away from what you stand for. They want to get away from your discipline. They want to get away from what you believe. They want to say, they want to say, hey, I want to do it my way, and I don't want you breathing down my neck. Why is that? That's human nature. And you have to let them fly, but believe that you taught them correctly in the process. Our nature today, our nation today, we know that the sin of homosexuality rules. Moderate sex abuse or moderate uh, uh, substance abuse is now accepted. We're going to have dispensaries right here in Polk County in the state of Florida. Diversified gods are accepted. Choose one. That's okay. Uh, don't ever really just nail it down and say there's only one way to heaven because that's not politically correct. That's not a popular message to preach. So don't you dare say there's only one way to heaven. What makes you think you are the one that knows the way? The only reason I know it, if it's in the book, that's what I believe and that's my foundation and that's my God and that's what I stand upon. What kind of Christian would it be to say, well, you know, you really do have a point. Either stand on this word, believe this word, word, get this word in your life, and be willing to die for this word, or simply give it up, friend. Otherwise, you're going to waffle like someone in the wind that's blown with every wave that comes by. In the process, principles are tossed aside. Newsweek magazine, the article stated, and I read it for you, whatever it takes to do the deal, that's what they're told, just do it. John, 1 John 2, here it is. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he is, has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. When you see the manifestation, it does not come from the Father. It comes from the influence of the world. You see commercials today on television that 10 years ago, you would never even believe you'd see that commercial go through the airwaves and come into your house. You see movies today, and they show clips of that. Of thing. You see television specials. You see series that are on television today that are as despicable as can be that comes into your home. Why? Because those who rule common nature happen to rule many times the airwaves. But Jesus said... You have the power to bind the powers of darkness that are in the air. Amen? You have that. James speaks up. Here's a guy that I got to tell you is a straight shooter. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy to God. That's not a message that you're going to hear in an average good old church today. Why, bless God, you folks out there. Let me just tell you something, friend. Here's what he says. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The problem is we waffle on what we believe and how we behave if we're pressed. And we don't need to waffle. He rules. It means that we're more in love with this world than sometimes we are God. It means we're willing to sacrifice less for God's work so often 
If you're not careful and we're motivated to present survival, then we are preparing for eternity. Five foolish and five wise. Think about it. Luke 21, 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighted down with dissipation. You'll get weighted down trying to fight the culture. You'll get weighted down trying to stand strong. You'll get weighted down. He said, be careful that you don't let the enemy bring that burden on you, drunkenness and anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. God called us to live victorious. God called us to stand above the circumstances. God called us to take the high road to believe the best. God called us to live under the anointing. God called us not to get bogged down with the anxiety of this life. He said, live above it. I raise you above that. You have to believe it. You have to practice it. He says, why? Because one day he's going to return. One day he's going to return. One day soon. In New Jersey, there's a major monument that is theirs. Jewish, anti-Semitic. This was back, I believe, in July. Spray paint all over it, anti-Jew, anti-Philadelphia, a major Jewish cemetery, went through and just knocked over many of the slabs that were there and the headstones that were there out of the power of hatred. When you see a world that's not or a world provoked against God's people, you know, soon and very soon. Listen, friend, you as a mama, you as a mama would not let anyone strike your child and get by with it. You would not let anyone abuse your kid. You would rise up like an old mother hen, and rightly so, and say, you grandmothers out there would not think about letting someone strike or abuse your grandchild. You know why? That's an innate nature that God put in you that says, uh uh-huh, that's my kid, my grandchild. How do you think God feels toward his children how do you think he feels toward his people israel don't touch them much less texas stand up for what's right here he goes matthew jesus teaching understand this he wants their attention if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into if you knew what time What's Jesus saying? Watch. He said, you don't know the hour, but watch. Chances are that when you're not watching, he's going to come. So culture tries to put us to sleep in a stupor. We forget the urgency of the day in which we'll, I've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. Well, let me just tell you, one day, like that storm, oh, I heard people say, well, those meteorologists, they don't know what they're talking about. And I mean, look, they say it's going to turn out there on the East Coast. And they say this. And many in Key West did the same. They say it's going to do this. You know what? Here's what I know. There's a storm out there. That storm's name was Irma. And Irma made individuals who were doubters stand up and pay attention. And Jose came behind Irma 
and said, if that wasn't enough in some of those places, let me give you a dose to my fury. Listen, one day Jesus is coming back. What does God say? Watch, watch the urgency of the day. Don't get so busy with busyness. The busyness. Allow apathy. Don't allow it to overwhelm you. Don't become mesmerized by an ungodly world. Forget that we are the light of the world. And the door, at the door, right now, in Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Right now, he's talking to the church. In that verse, Psalms 90, verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You and I live in a day of grace. We live in a day of mercy and grace, and we're all filled with comfort and, and ease. We live in a world today that every day we are exposed to the subtle darkness of the enemy. How does that affect us? How does it affect us? How often should a Christian sit in a movie theater with non-Christians and let vulgar language and cursing F-bomb go off one after another and a Christian sat there and listen to that. So now you're meddling now. No, I'm telling you the truth. How does God bless that? Well, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. No, I'll tell you what it is. It is from the gutter of hell. Amen? From the gutter of hell. You say, well, now you're off a tangent. No, you, you know what I'm saying. We understand that. That's the Bible. Satan works as a thief. Here's what he says. His goal is to steal our advantage, to take away our effectiveness, and cause us to remain silent. But he said we are to watch. That means re me remain intensely focused. I'm, I'm watching. Keep guard and observe. Remain informed. Stay visible for the enemy to see. Don't blend in so much with the culture in which we live that the enemy says, oh, my that's amazing. They lost their gumption. It says it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. And I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Be ready, he says. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and what? Self-controlled. Be alert and self-control. Matthew 26, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but what? The body is weak. So he's striking the alarm for the church. Oh, pastor, what we want to hear is that we want to hear that good message. Listen, we are missing it on personal evangelism, but we're going to do better after today. Amen? Lives are going to change by the grace of God. I told the second service. I did not tell the first service because I wasn't aware of an individual who's a very wealthy individual. Started here 18 months ago and came up to me between the two services before going into the second service. He was in the first service and he said, hey, all my life I've not done what I, I, I knew to do. I, I let too much time. Now my life, the majority of my life is lived. And I didn't pay attention. I said, well, today 
is a new day. Today is a brand new day. You can't live in regret, but today you can make up your mind that your family and your friends, that they're going to hear that invitation. They're going to hear that scripture. They're going to hear that testimony that you have. Why? Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Let's pay attention. Let's believe God. Finally, yesterday will be too late. I meant, I meant to do that, but I didn't get around to doing it. That happens to me. I have a list most every day that I make. Strike, there's something fulfilling about striking through, got that done. There's something that makes you want to stay till midnight when you look at a list of 10 or 12 things and you got two of them done because you had so many interruptions or somebody got in trouble and you had to race over and take care of something. You look at the list at the end of the day, you thought, good Lord, have mercy. There are eight that I didn't even get to. But that day is coming. And the Bible says whatever you're going to do, as a follower of Jesus Christ relating to eternity, you better do it now. You better not delay. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. It warns, be prepared. And when the Lord returns, your life changed over one Sunday night and you woke up on Monday morning, you thought, well, trees down, power lines down, electricity gone. What a difference a few hours can make. But when he returns, when he returns, the grace that we know now will be absent. And when the rapture comes, think about it, every born-again believer that you know will be absent. If every born-again believer that you know, which represents a standard of God's Spirit, if they are gone, who's left to stand up and declare the name of Jesus? How long will it take when the rapture takes place for individuals who were raised in the church, who heard messages like this, whose grandmother raised them, how long will it take for them to understand I was left behind? How long do you think it will take them to say, I need to do something about it? Do you know what the Bible says? That people after the rapture will be so blind that the enemy will create a false god called the Antichrist to become the focal point of the religious world 
And individuals will do what we would call magic and have signs and have wonders that are demonically inspired. Why? To fool people. When the rapture takes place, that first three and a, first three and a half years, sure, there's a clamoring of, oh my. But let me say this to you often. Do you know how quick it is often to get over a tragedy? Sure, we grieve and we understand. But have you noticed after year after year after year that before you know it, you're not thinking about it every minute of every day? The rapture takes place, gives the enemy enough time to set up his kingdom. It's out of an extended hand of help. It's the hand of the government because the government will be run by satanic influence. It will be the hand of help. That is not a hand of God anointed. It's the hand of good deeds. But good deeds are not supernatural. And in that moment in time, when that takes place, three and a half years, and at the end of the three and a half years, just like a light going off, the spirit will change. And at that time, the demonic control of the enemy will have fooled enough people that the press of taking the mark of the beast, you either take the mark, here's your baby, you either take the mark or this baby is dead. No food for you. Do you know the government knows more about you than what you could imagine right now? How many know that? The mark of the beast and all that, that's no big deal anymore because I'm telling you, they know more than what you think they know. If you understand that, here's what he says. Matthew 24, 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountain. This is Jesus talking. For then there will be a great distress, unequal, from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. He's talking about that period of the Antichrist. That's seven years that are there, the three and a half. Why? Because we would have had our opportunity under the umbrella of grace to serve God. Someone said to me a while back, Pastor, I don't like those messages. I really, because I think you just try to scare people. Hmm. Jesus says, For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect. If that were possible. That's Jesus, not me. But if it's not shared, if it's not emphasized, we fall into a spiritual stupor. God's got an answer for every situation. The Scripture says that the signal noting the day of grace ending and the day of judgment of beginning will happen like a streak of lightning. They are in a moment today, and yesterday will be here before you know it. You know, in Noah, Noah gave. How many of you know Noah was a great preacher? 
and he was a great carpenter. And he built. And how many of you know that many individuals made fun of him, ridicule? You all know that? You all know that? Sure. But he just kept sticking with it. Okay. One day somebody said, you know, the ground's a little wet. Get a little mushy around here. That's amazing. Must be a water line break somewhere. A little mushy. Okay. We need to call somebody. Get service pro in here and just take and back him up the mushiness. Is that a good organization, Ronnie Ortegas? Service master, okay. All right, service master. That's Ronnie Ortegas. He's not service pro. He's service what? Master, right? Ortegas, service master. Get a mushy, come vacuum it up. You don't have enough vacuums to vacuum. Lord, I'm, uh, I'm ankle deep in water. Noah hasn't sailed yet. Noah's still preaching. It's up to your knees now. Hey, all feel. You know what the kids are doing? Man, we're having a grand old time. Before they knew it, that water began to rise and rise and rise. And that day came when Noah said, shut the door. Shut the door. Had it not been for Noah, his own family would have perished. Let's don't let that happen to our families and our friends. The door is still open. Let's do something before it shuts to tell everyone that we know before it is actually too late. And so here's what he said. Jesus teaching again, trying to get the attention. He said, you servants, you people who I gave you talent, I gave you abilities, and you didn't do it, but there was one of the servants. That's what he said. Take that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth because he didn't listen. He didn't pay attention. He took the easy road. He didn't grasp spiritually what was going on. And now, judgment is served. We have a great church, but it's not great because of us. It's great because of Him. It's great because of Him. And if He continues to be the head, and that's my intention, He is the head of the church. Amen? We're going to always pause and say, I think the Holy Spirit is speaking. Amen? We're always going to give him praise and honor. We're always going to say, hey, we're not just having church. We want to meet with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, put your hands together once again. Let's believe God. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we do praise you and we do thank you tonight. We rejoice in the fact that your word is uh, like a sword. It's a double-edged sword. It it dives in in the parts of our life that you need to cut away. But you'll do nothing for us unless we give you permission. We can hear a message and we can talk about a lot of things. And some people rationalize about fear and trying to be afraid. But God, what does our culture, for example, come to when individuals will blatantly not respect 
the anthem or the flag of a country that provided us freedom. Our forefathers never intended for that kind of behavior to take place. We just assumed that we would always have a conscience and a core of what's right. But oh, our culture has traveled down the fact that I have a liberty and a right to do what I choose. It's not for the good of all. It's for the good of one. And God, the church has got a lot of praying to do. We've got a lot of repenting to do. We've got a lot of things that we need to do. And no longer can we be silent about issues that are of spiritual importance. That we have to say, this is the way walk ye in it. We have to be willing to stand up and declare the grace and the mercy of Jesus. I pray your favor on every life that's following you. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're listening at home, listening on the air, individuals listening in Mexico, out of Cuba, other places around the world. They're listening. One family said, my dad listens in Puerto Rico. will not be able to listen tonight. But they're listening. Here's the question, a good old-fashioned ask. Is your heart right with Jesus? Do you know that you know? We had a wonderful altar time. And in my spirit, I thought, okay, I know what time it is, but I cannot leave this pulpit unless I give a chance for one person, either online or in here, if it's just one, to get things right with Jesus. He is the Son of God. So would you repeat this prayer, please? Online, repeat it right out loud. Here we go. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, am sorry. I am sorry. Thank you for dying on the cross, Thank you for dying on the and, cross. Redeeming me. and redeeming me. I desire to follow you, I desire to follow but you. I need help. I, need I struggle with things in my life. I struggle with, things in I my struggle life. with staying on the path. But today, I am making a commitment in a consecrated effort. I will serve you. So forgive me. I repent. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Here's what we're going to do. We know that we have the newcomers event over in the Family Life Center. Isn't that right? Family Life Center. Those of you, you signed up, you want to come, you say, well, I, I didn't sign up and I'm a newcomer. Come on. Okay, just go on over there. Enjoy yourself. But if you need prayer, they're going to, they're going to worship another five minutes. If you need prayer for whatever, and you missed it a while ago, or you prayed that prayer, and you really missed it. Let me tell you, don't forget baptism. Get water baptized. All right? You come on down. We're going to let those go to their places. And let me just pray over. I'm supposed to pray over the food, right? So, Jesus, whatever in the world they're having over there, bless it, sanctify it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right? God bless you. If you need prayer, here we are. You want to go over there? Go right on over, friend. God bless you.